This is All the Right Marketing, a publishing podcast by Cardinal Rule Press. Now, here's your host, Maria Desmondi. Welcome to All the Right Marketing, where we talk with business owners and industry leaders about marketing their programs and their products. Our guests share tips that help anyone who loves a book, whether you are a librarian, a bookseller, author, or publisher. The truth of the matter here is that the advice coming out of these conversations are for creative individuals across industries. Super excited about today's guest. Renee Marsh is an Emmy-nominated CNN national correspondent and author of the children's book, The Miracle Workers, Boy Versus Beast, which we will be hearing about today. Welcome, Renee. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. We're just going to dive right in. You have been on a journey with this book. Uh, let's hear about it. When did the book come out? Tell us a little bit about its background, please. Yes. Yeah, so the book is The Miracle Workers, Boy versus Beast. And um, this book launched on CNN, actually. We announced the launch of the book on November 1st. It sold out in like three days. Oh, my goodness. We're now selling our second print because we're back in stock. Uh, and, um, you know, this is a very special book to me because it was inspired by my uh, two-year-old son named Blake. And that is the name of the main character here. Coincidentally, it's Blake. And this character has the same big eyes as my son did. Um, and it, this book, which I'm so proud of and, and I love the illustrations and think it's beautiful, but the irony is it came out of a very dark place for me. Um, for those who don't know my story, my son, Blake, was diagnosed with an aggressive and rare brain tumor at nine months old. And that began our cancer journey with our child. Blake was our first child and only child. So any parent can imagine just how your world crumbles. And uh, Blake was an avid reader. By the time he had become a toddler, if you put a book in front of him and a toy, he would almost always go for the book. And as a mom, I love that because I love the fact that my son already was just so fascinated with reading. And I just expected such great things from him because of that. And um, when we spent time in the hospital with Blake during his cancer treatments, we would have like luggage full of books that we br would bring just for him because many times we would spend about 30 days or more in the hospital at a time. And uh, this book came to be at one of the toughest points in Blake's cancer treatment uh, where he had a near fatal reaction to one of his chemotherapy drugs and we were in ICU. Blake was on life support and I continued to read to Blake every single day, even though I didn't know if he could hear me. I did want him, if he could hear me, to know that his mom was nearby and I wanted to keep that tradition that we had of reading every day going despite the circumstances. And the books that I had at the time, you know, the classics, Wheels on the Bus, Itsy Bitsy Spider, and he loved those books and I do too, but in that moment of seeing your child on life support, I wished at that time that I had a different kind of book for Blake, a book that kind of represented this fighting spirit that I was desperately holding on to when the everything around me looked like just bad news all around. Um, 
And my husband and I rely a lot on our faith and quietly at nights uh, in that ICU room, I was reading the book of David and Goliath. And I remember how that made me feel like, mm -hmm. feel like, you know, this is a uphill battle, but I can do it. This disease is bigger than us. At least it felt that way, but we can do it. I'm looking at Blake on life support, but we can do it. And I said to myself in that moment, I want to write a book that makes me feel that way when I'm reading it to Blake and hopefully teach him at a young age that fighting spirit. And that is how this book came to be. And in many ways, this is a modern version of a David and Goliath type book because this little boy named Blake is facing just a monster of a problem in this book and he has to unlock what is the key to defeating this monster and getting the help of these magical miracle workers. Uh, so that's what this book is about. And really the goal is to help parents teach children this concept of hope. It's an abstract concept, um, but we have seen in our world for the last two years, we've all been faced with life challenges and difficulties. And I know from my personal experience, having hope in my survival toolkit really has been the thing to carry me through. So I hope that this book helps parents impart that very early in their children. I love how you refer to it as a toolkit because that's one of the things at Cardinal Rule Press, we are publishing books that add to children's toolkits. And I have to tell you that we talk a lot about books being windows and mirrors for children. And when you said, I wanted to have a book for him so that, you know, that I could read and I could experience that hope, but then he could also see in a character that fighting spirit, that's that mirror for Blake, right? Being able to see himself in a picture book as this powerful child who has hope and who has courage and strength. But then when we look at the window, other children. So I'm sure you have family, right? Other children, let's say you have a niece or a nephew, for them to be able to see a window into what Blake is experiencing and be able to you know, have that empathy for your family. That's that window that we um, hope that books can really bring to children, those windows and mirrors. And I, I don't know if there are a lot of picture books that speak to um, what you're talking about, and especially with having children as the main characters. Um, the wheels on the bus. Well, I don't, I, I don't remember the other book that you had mentioned, but oftentimes we have, you know, little talking dinosaurs and fuzzy bunnies who are experiencing these things, but it's really hard for children to make that connection when they can't see themselves within the pictures. Um, Renee, there are some gorgeous illustrations in this book as well. How did you find your illustrator? I, I mean, Thinking of this picture um, with wings and all these beautiful colors that I looked through the book and I was just amazed at the illustrations. Tell us a little bit about the artwork. Well, thank you. So uh, this was definitely a team effort uh, as far as the illustrations go. Uh, I had a creative designer by the name of Talitha Shipman who she was just a lovely person to work with because she was able to keep the ball rolling while I was in the hospital. Obviously, Blake was always my number one priority, um, but I would take time to write the book on my notes app 
in my iPhone uh, when Blake was asleep. But Talitha, she was able to lay this book out in the way that you see it. And um, I actually found this illustrator on the freelance website, Readsy. Have okay. you heard? No. Mm -mm. So Italy, <laughs> we spoke primarily via email. Um, there is obviously a time difference, but it worked out really well. And um, my only thing going into this project was that, you know, I wanted bright, bold pictures. I, I tapped into all the things that I was attracted to as a child. And I wanted to create a book that if I was, you know, three or four years old again, what would I be attracted to? So, um, you know, I wanted the characters as far as the miracle workers to all have their own personality, different outfits. So it was a collaborative effort. Uh, diversity was very important to me. Uh, I wanted any child to see, you know, if they open this book, that they could be reflected in one of the miracle workers themselves. So I tried very hard to do that. Uh, but we all worked together. And then the illustrator, after getting like some cues from us, just took off and created something very beautiful. And we're very happy with it. It turned out lovely. And I think she nailed it when you're talking about all those elements that you wanted included with diversity, the bright colors, and, um, you know, a range of different children and abilities. You know, Renee, the second part of our interview today is going to be talking about the fact that this book is just one part of this mission that you are now on. And I, w when you agreed to do this interview, I was extra, extra thrilled because I feel like there are so many people that are passionate about different um, organizations and different uh, philanthropy events. And you have in such a short amount of time made such progress in this mission. So not only is this book um, raising funds for pediatric cancer, but you have also done so many other things. I know you have been petitioning Congress. Can you speak to that? Yeah. So uh, at the very beginning, you know, we lost Blake in April of this year. Uh, I'm sorry, of last year. We're in the new year now <laughs> of last year. And um, it was my first Mother's Day without him. So that was like just 25 days later. And I wrote an op-ed for CNN about this experience of my first Mother's Day without him. But the purpose of that op-ed really wasn't about me. And, you know, yes, it was a terrible circumstance, but it really was just an opportunity that I was looking for to broadly share the reality of pediatric cancer. And that's what I've been doing since day one with Blake while he was alive and going through treatments and will continue to do for, frankly, the rest of my life, um, is looking for ways to incorporate our story, um, but have the main objective of spreading awareness so that people understand. Uh, and we, I found a bunch of ways to do that. So um, this petition was created in this, um, my first Mother's Day after losing Blake and it's intended to be a living document so that um, members of Congress will understand that there is this vast support for us as a nation to do more for children with cancer. I think that most people, the most that they know is like maybe a St. Jude commercial that they see on television as far as childhood cancer. What they don't realize is that 
you know, when you look at the big pot of money that's allocated for cancer research on an annual basis, children get roughly, pediatric cancer gets roughly 5% of that. It varies from year to year, but if I were to estimate of the billions of dollars, they get a sliver. And the vast majority of it goes to adult cancer research. And when you talk about the children yeah. are our future. Exactly. And, you know, when you talk about the pharmaceutical industry, I mean, there's more money for them to invest in research and development for adult cancer research, because the bottom line is more adults do have cancer than children. Um, so it becomes a numbers game. And in the end, there is this injustice of how much we're devoting as a country to really understanding a child's type of cancer, because it's very different than an adult. And I, I didn't think that a lot of people knew know that. And I live firsthand the deadly consequences of not understanding and researching um, enough uh, the sort of different types of pediatric cancer. So I created that uh, petition. At last time I checked, it's at, oh, I think, close to 14,000 signatures. Um, but you can sign it and support it at um, cancelchildhoodcancer.com. I present it in your show notes for sure. And I presented that petition uh, this past September to members of Congress. I spoke to members of Congress about this issue and shared with them the fir my firsthand account as a mom and all the things that I learned along the way about where we're frankly failing children who are in the hospital right now with various types of cancer because honestly, they're the ones who can change this. They can, my book is great. 100% of the net profits here go to uh, brain cancer research. I'm working with the Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. Um, but my book is not gonna save every single child that gets diagnosed with cancer. I've identified a problem and I'm, I'm devoted to being a part of the solution by way of this book and speaking out about the realities, but one woman cannot do it alone. I'm actually, there are many parents doing similar efforts as far as spreading awareness, but we just can't do it alone. This is gonna be a collective effort. Um, so that's, that's, that's one way that I've been kind of working towards this cause. Um, this book is another way, as I said, you know, it's for available on my website, but the pediatric. We will, also, we will also link to, yeah, we will also link to purchasing of the book. And, um, I do want to repeat a hundred percent of the proceeds goes to research, which I think is wonderful. I also saw something about crowdfunding. Was that another way that you tapped into, um, getting, gaining awareness around this topic? Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty active on my social media in sharing, you know, this effort for fundraising for the what's called the Blake Vince Payne Star Fund. That is the official fund that was established by the nonprofit Pediatric Brain Tumor Foundation. And I look at this effort of, you know, many people who haven't bought the book, but they've donated to this fund uh, to support brain cancer research. I look at this as a fun, a crowdfunding effort. Um, so that's what I was referring to of all the people who have uh, just been touched by Blake's story or just been touched by the fact that there, there's so much more that needs to be done as far as funding. Um, 
yeah, we're all do it. We will do it together. And it will actually require even parents of perfectly healthy children to help us. Yeah. What a beautiful effort, Renee, really. I mean, between the book and the um, Blake Fence Pain Star Fund, um, with everything that you've been doing, what a beautiful legacy that you are leaving for Blake. And I just think it's living on day in and day out. So we are going to link up to everything that you talked about in the show notes. Do you have any final words that you'd like to share um, to those listening, those parents and teachers? You know, our audience consists of booksellers and librarians, writers. Any final words? You know, I am totally new to the whole industry of publishing and uh, writing a book. I never had it on my bucket list to write a children's book, to be honest. Um, so I would just say to all of the writers out there, sometimes your inspiration comes from the most unexpected places. Um, and that was certainly the, the case for me. Um, and the other thing that I would say is that, you know, this just came to be that this book is not for me, it's tied to a cause. And I do think that there is a benefit in that. And I would love to see more writers find or figure out what is it in this world that they care so deeply about that they want to make a change. I did 100%. You don't, everyone doesn't have to do 100% of the profits, but perhaps you do 10 or 20% of your profits to a cause that you truly want to change. Because I honestly believe that it is our duty to use our gifts and our talents to be a part of the solution for whatever it is that you've identified that you want to change in this world. So I would really encourage any writer to think about, you know, figuring out what do I want to change in this world and how can I use my talents uh, to actually be a vehicle towards that change. Time, talent, and treasure. I appreciate you using all three of those for this book. And we will link everything. We are so thankful for having you here today. And we will see you soon. Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Cardinal Rule Press offers a variety of support to authors, booksellers, librarians, and families. Find out more at cardinalrulepress.com.